So tonight is the full moon. And on the one hand you want to say it's just another day. Yes, we have in the, the, the Pali saying Sunakatang Suhotitang Sukano Sumuhuto Suyutang Brahmacharya Supatakina Kaya kamang waji kamang patakinang patakinang mano kamang Panitite patakine When when we, Whenever we live, whatever moment we're living the holy life or the spiritual life perform wholesome deeds of thought, wholesome deeds of speech, wholesome deeds of body. This is a auspicious day. This is an auspicious auspicious day auspicious month, auspicious day, auspicious moment. This is an auspicious instant. That instant is auspicious. We remember this and we, we remind ourselves that it's not the time or the place or the environment, but it's it's the actions and the speech and the deeds, the action, speech and thoughts that we perform. This is what makes something auspicious. This is what makes some, something special. But on the other hand, you do kind of have to have to admit that this time and this place and this occasion with this environment And we're very lucky to be here. And this is a very auspicious time for us.
my teacher, when the new year came around, next month is the Thai new year, and the whole country would go crazy, literally. I don't know the whole country, but many parts of it. We take the bus and see people getting in fist fights on the street, walking drunk in the middle of traffic, throwing water and ice cubes and all sorts of things at each other, and cars as they went by, and motorcycles as they went by. I always used to tell my tell my students about this in, in Thailand how the when people talk about having a happy new year and they're always wishing happy new year to each other but in Thailand anyway and I think in other countries it's very much the same December 31st is the most dangerous day of the year. Most most fatalities of the whole year. Most most unnatural deaths in the country. Uh, no, sorry, the second most. The the first most is the period of the Thai, the Thai New Year in April. So the, he, he would explain how this is one way of rejoicing. This is one way of celebrating. When, when something good comes up, this is one way of, or this is one, one way of, of being happy about things. So they learn. They rejoice, or they're festive, they celebrate. Then he asks, how should we celebrate as Buddhists? And what should we celebrate? What should we be happy about? Why should we rejoice? It's a good question, really. Because we think sometimes everybody else gets all the fun. So, People in the world, they have good, good food to eat. They have nice clothes and houses and cars and so many wonderful things that they can enjoy. They can go where they want. They can live where they want. And we have the picture of when you ordain as a monk, you live in a the perfect hut on the perfect mountain with the perfect sunset and the perfect forest. And then when you actually come to the monastery, you see the food's no good, the kutis have leeks, the forests have leeches, snakes, scorpions, and mosquitoes. And the water's no good, nothing, nothing's ideal. And you think, here I have to live off of this cold food. Uh, contaminated water. 
mosquitoes and snakes and scorpions and leeches, leaking roofs and so on, termites. You know, you think, why, why? It's not much, not much to celebrate. So you think, of course, we don't think this, and hopefully, we're all very happy. We should be very happy. If you're not, then listen up. Because there's many things for us to be happy about. We can use tonight as an example. Here we are under the full moon. The only thing between us and the full moon is the Bodhi tree. This Bodhi tree is a descendant from the tree under which the Buddha himself sat. In, in ancient times, they brought a branch from Bodhgaya to Sri Lanka and planted it in Anuradhapura. And the tree in Anuradhapura has since uh, been cultivated and brought to many places around the country. And one branch came here. So. This tree is descendant from the original tree. And here we are in a Buddhist monastery in a Buddhist country, listening to a talk on Buddhism, about to practice Buddhist meditation. living a life as a Buddhist meditator. Striving to find the truth of life, freedom from suffering. Striving to make oneself, make ourselves better people or to purify our minds, to cleanse our minds of all defilements. This in and of itself is something something very rare to, rare in the world something very much worth rejoicing I think maybe sometimes we don't realize how lucky we are we should rejoice in that at least just this because why are we lucky? What, what makes us lucky? The first thing that makes us lucky is that we're born in, in a time when the, the Buddha is, uh, the Buddha's teaching is here. The Buddhas aren't, aren't people that come to the world every three or four days. The Buddha didn't work for just a week or so to become a Buddha. look around and you can ask if is there anybody else since the time of the Buddha? 2,500 years. But they say even 2,500 years is it's not the time that it takes to become a Buddha. Four uncountable eons 
and a hundred thousand uh, epochs or, or, or countable eons. Like the time it takes for the Big Bang, from the Big Bang to whatever happens, the Big Crunch or whatever the end of the universe is. There's a hundred thousand of those, but that's the small part. The big part is four uncountable eons. So the time from the time to the Big Bang to the Big Crunch you can count, apparently, but you can't count un uncountable. So here we are. Here we are in the time in the time of the Buddha, where we've missed the Buddha himself, but I'm not sure what we were doing when he was teaching. Maybe we were drinking or gambling, or maybe we weren't even humans. Somehow we missed the chance. So all that's left for us now is the Dhamma. This is why we protect the Dhamma and we, we revere the Dhamma as well, because it's all that we have left, the Dhamma and the Sangha. We have teachers, we have our uh, the people who have passed on the Buddha's teaching, who have been an example to us in our practice. And then we have the teaching itself. We still have this. And when it's gone, when it's gone, it'll just be dark water. Now we have an island slowly sinking into the ocean. <clears throat> and when the ocean is gone, when the island is gone, there'll be no refuge for beings. It will be like drowning and drowning in water with no sign of shore. floating around amongst the sharks and uh, the dangers and the, and the storms of the ocean in darkness. So here we here we are here we we have the island we're, we're on an island. We're on the island of the, the Dhamma, the Buddha's teaching. We have this teaching with us now, and um, something we can put into practice. This is something that's very lucky for all people now in the world, for all beings now, to be in, to be. This is a, uh, an auspicious time. And we still have the Dhamma. The second thing that we should rejoice in and be happy about is that not only were we born in the time of the Buddha but we've also been born a human being and we've been born a human being who has all of our arms and all of our legs and all of our body parts including our brain working in, in in fairly good order. 
good enough to be able to walk, good enough to be able to sit, good enough to be able to think and to read and to study, good enough to practice. If you're born a dog or a cat or a pig or an insect or a snake or a scorpion, I think it goes without saying that there's not much benefit that can be can come from your life. I don't know what we did when we did something. We must have done something right. We were wandering around in the ocean of samsara, and somehow the Buddha said, like somehow this. We managed to be born a human being. The Buddha made a, a comparison with a turtle. <clears throat> if there's a turtle that lives at the bottom of the ocean, and every 100 years it has to come up for air, and someone were to throw a yoke, you know, these yokes, these things that they put, this piece of wood that they put on the... It has a... Grew, uh, bend in it to put around the neck of the of the ox, or maybe it's a ring or something they put on the ox. And the Buddha said that every one hundred years coming up, and in the middle, in the whole of the ocean, there is one one yoke floating. The Buddha said it's more likely that that turtle when he comes up after 100 years will, will come up with his neck uh, in the yoke than it is for a being to be born, a, for a, an animal to be born a human being. Because as an animal there's not, there's not much you can do to, to, to cultivate your mind. As I said, mostly it's kill or be killed. The opportunities to practice morality, develop concentration, wisdom. Somehow floating around in the, in the ocean, we managed to put our neck up in the yoke. Here we were born a human being. We don't know how we got here. I don't think any of us know how, what we did that we became human beings. Maybe if you have special knowledge, then you're, you know what you did. Mostly we don't have a clue, we're just happy to be here. We should be happy to be here. We've met the Buddha and we've met the Buddha as a human being. We're, hum we're human. And this body is, is capable. How long have we been alive and we've, yet we've managed to avoid death? We managed to avoid dismemberment with all the stupid things that we've done, all the crazy things that we've done. We've still managed to avoid death and dismemberment. We've managed to make it through school and, and job and make enough money to, to, to live our lives in a way that allows us to, to make our way here to this place. So these things are, are very difficult to find. The Buddha said, Lulabu, 
Kichang Buddhanamupadang, the arising of the Buddha is, is a difficult thing to find. Kichang Machana Jivitang, Kichang Kicho Manusapatilaboga, attaining of human, human life is difficult to find, rare to find. And difficult to find is Uh, one person, the, the life that is free from illness, free from uh, free from difficulties, free from thing, obstacles that allow you to come all the way across the world from all the parts of the world. Here we have people from uh, all over the world coming. Very few people have this opportunity. The third, the third thing that, that makes us lucky is that we actually want to take the opportunity. Because of all the people in the world who don't have the opportunity, very few are the people who have the opportunity. But among those people who have the opportunity, even fewer are those people who want to take the opportunity. How many people, when you told them you were coming to meditate, put confused looks on their face or gave you strange looks or ridiculed you or whatever? And when you decided you want to ordain, looked at you like you're crazy or just ignored, just uh, abandoned you completely? How many people have you heard say, monks are useless, monks are, meditators are wasting their time, uh, selfish, so on. How many people have the opportunity but would never in their, never in a million years think about becoming a monk, never in a million years think about coming to a meditation course let alone become monk, let alone dedicate their lives to it. That's something worth rejoicing for sure. Worth rejoicing about how lucky we are to just have this mind that says, it's not us, no. It's not like we chose to have this mind, but suddenly our mind says, I want to become a monk, or I want to go meditate. It's kind of funny really, because it's not like we chose to have that mind. Not like other people chose to have the mind that didn't want to. We cultivated this. Somehow we managed to get something right. We should feel happy about that. We should rejoice in it. How wonderful that I have this wonderful mind that wants to meditate, that wants to uh, devote my life to the Buddha's teaching. Maybe don't want to feel proud about it, but we can at least feel proud for a second, no? Give us some encouragement. Pride can be useful as encouragement. You have to take it only to the step of encouragement. When you need encouragement, you can think of that. I'm not a horrible person. I'm not a useless person. 
I may not be the best meditator, but at least I want to meditate. At least I do meditate. So this is the, the third the third blessing that we have that we should be uh, happy about, rejoice. The fourth thing is that we actually take the opportunity. So this is what the Buddha said. He said, of all the people in the world, rare are those who understand in regards to that which needs to be done, that it needs to be done. Understand that something needs to be done. That we can't live like this, we can't be negligent and just assume that when we die we're, we're going to go to a good place or nothing bad is going to happen to us. Actually, we're like walking a tightrope and any moment we could slip off and fall to whatever it is that lies below. Being a human being is like walking a tightrope. We were up here when the lightning was, when the lightning struck that two nights ago. It's quite, quite an experience, really, realizing how thin is the rope on which we're walking. Any moment, any moment, something could knock you off. And if you haven't prepared yourself. You haven't done any, anything useful in your life, how will you be ready for it? You'll die without any, under, any clarity of mind, any presence, any awareness. You'll die with a muddled, confused mind. So, some people, many people have no, no idea. Some people see this. So some people see this, but then they do nothing about it. They think, yeah, it would be great if I could do some meditation or something spiritual anyway, but they don't do it. So he said, among those rare people who have that, that uh, good intention or the, the understanding, very, very much more rare are the people who actually do something about it. So here we've, we've accumulated a, quite a number of blessings in our lives just by being in this one spot at this time. We've got the blessing of the Buddha and his teachings. We know what are the teachings of the Buddha. We know the four Satipatthana, we know Vipassana, we know the Four Noble Truths, we know the Eightfold Noble Path. These aren't just public school. These aren't the kind of things that they teach you, that anyone can teach you. We take them for granted sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I know them. Even just the four foundations of mindfulness is enough to get you to Nibbana. Enough to free you from the entire web of samsara, all suffering. Just the four foundations of mindfulness. This path is the straight path, the, the one way. Just the four foundations of mindfulness. 
and we have the, the ability to understand the teaching. We're human, we have the ability to practice the teaching. We can walk, we can sit, we can think. Our mind works, our body works. We have the good intention to practice. We have confidence, just the knowledge that the Buddha's teaching was a good thing. Many people can't even come to this. Either they repudiate, 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 no? yes, repudiate the Buddha's teaching, or they they doubt about it. Even if they think it might be good, they doubt, and they have so much doubt that they can't practice. Here we don't have any of that. Or we have enough confidence. to allow us to practice. We have enough confidence that we decided to come to ordain. That we've ordained. We have enough confidence to fly across the world, to stay in a, in a hut in a forest. How rare is that? We did, must have done something right to get here. And the fact that we've actually done it and succeeded, we made it. Well, we're not there yet, but physically we've made it. We're here. We're where we should be. We're where we want it to be. We're in a place where so many people have never had the chance to be. So I consider this to be very lucky. I think we all should consider ourselves quite lucky. We consider this an auspicious time, an auspicious moment. We're developing good, wholesome qualities of mind, wholesome qualities of speech, wholesome qualities of, of body, of, of action. And so it's quite fitting that this is what we're doing on the, the, the holy day. Holy day. I always used to joke at Doisetep. So today is a holiday. No, it doesn't mean you get a day off. It means you get to be holy. In Buddhism, we take we take the holiness of the day on on ourselves. We don't we don't leave the holiness with the day. We, we take it to mean something for ourselves. That the holy day is the time for us to become holy. For us to increase our holiness. As in Buddhism, we don't look for someone else to be holy for us. We take the responsibility on ourselves. It's not that we don't believe in God or, or gods or angels or so on. And we figure they've got enough work to do for themselves. So rather than asking them or praying to them, we'll do it for ourselves. So the holiness isn't for the day, it isn't for God or an angel. The holiness of the day is for ourselves. This is a Buddhist holiday, Buddhist holy day. It's not a day off. No. So this is what we should feel lucky about. This is what we should rejoice in. It's 
So how do we rejoice as, as Buddhists? Oh. I think there's only one answer to the the, the best the best way to rejoice. The best way to rejoice is to practice. Practice to purify our minds. I think it's kind of kind of difficult, really, because the 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 uh, the equivalent the equivalent in the physical sense is on on the holiday or on the festival or so on. The best way to rejoice, someone telling you the best way to rejoice is to go home and clean up your bathroom or clean up your kitchen. That doesn't seem like the best way to use the holy day. But when you do have the day off, when you do have the time off, when you do have the time to, to spare, this is when people do their house cleaning. Even if this were a day off, this would be the best use that we could have for it. But there's another way we can understand this, the practicing, because the, the practice is like an exaltation of ourselves. How difficult is it to even want to meditate, let alone to meditate? It's a way of rejoicing. Meditation itself is a way of rejoicing. It's taking a victory lap. It's like boasting to the whole universe. It's like uh, proclaiming to the whole universe that we've won, that we're victorious. We are meditating in spite of all the difficulty, in spite of all the all the all the improbability of us getting to this point. We made it. So our walking meditation, our sitting meditation, is actually a rejoicing. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but it's, it's victory. It's, it's, the, it's, where it's the winning. This is the path to victory, the, vic the action that makes us victorious. And it's the act that purifies our minds. And so it's the act that brings us happiness. Without purity of mind, there's no happiness. So this act of meditating is that which brings us true happiness. And so as a result, it, it should be something that is uh, happy for us. This is, I think, obviously in, it goes without saying how important on a Buddhist holiday it is to meditate. But this is just one way, one way for us to, one more way for us to think about it. That when uh, there's the question today, is there, are we doing anything special on the Buddhist holiday? And I joke, if we meditate more. But it's true, no. This is the time when people will practice. Uh, more intensely. This is when the lay people come to the monastery and take the eight precepts. It's the time when people will 
uh, undertake the practice of morality, concentration, and wisdom, because it's um, it's an excuse or it's a, a it's a good opportunity for them. So it's an even better opportunity for us who are living here and who have the chance to take the opportunity and take it as a as a joyful occasion for ourselves. Here I have the opportunity to meditate and we, uh, we, we, we show it, we make it, we make it clear here on the holiday, holy day we practice with greater intention and we, doesn't mean you even have to practice longer periods of time, but we'll try more to be mindful knowing that this is the holy day, knowing that there's the full moon and we're under the Bodhi tree thinking about the Buddha who sat under the Bodhi tree. We're 20 feet away from the Buddha. <laughs> because we have the Bodhi tree here under which the Buddha sat. And we can also take it as a puja for the Buddha, a way of paying homage to the Buddha as well. And we wonder what should we do on the holy day to pay homage to the Buddha, and the Buddha himself was very clear on this topic. When he was passing away and they were bringing flowers and paying homage to him, the Buddha said, this isn't how you pay homage to a Buddha. He said, whoever practices yoko ananda bhikkhu wa bhikkhuni wa upasako wa upasika wa dhamma nu dhamma patipanno anu dhamma chari so karoti Sakkaroti karu karoti manyeti pujeti paramaya pujaya. Whether it's a bhikkhu or a bhikkhuni or an upasika, upasaka, upasika. When they practice according to the teaching, realize the teaching for themselves. This is a person who pays proper homage, pays proper respect, pays homage to the Buddha with the highest form of homage. So every step that we take, this is like offering a flower to the Buddha. It's the highest form of highest form of of offering that you can give to the Buddha, to the Buddha's teaching, to our monastery, to our meditation center, to the world. That one step that you take with mindfulness. Clearly aware this is what it is. With morality, concentration and wisdom, understanding. So, there's a pep talk for today. For the Buddhist holiday. And now on with the show. First with the mindful prostration. Then walking and then sitting.